Welcome to the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, a certified personal trainer, high altitude mountaineer, and ultra runner. Each week, I show you how to train, eat, think, and live like a mountaineer so you can boost your chances of reaching the summit. My passion is to empower people of all ages and sizes to get outside and live lives of adventure. Remember, mountain climbing will never be easier than today. So let's dive into the show. Are you working out, hiking your ass off, doing all the fitness things, but you're still not seeing the results you want? If that's the case, it might be time to look at your diet. Too many endurance athletes treat our sport as an excuse to eat whatever the hell we want. And I know this is true because for a long time, I was one of those athletes. But the truth is, our bodies burn fuel just like cars. And if you put crappy, adulterated, watered-down gasoline in your car, it's just going to be misfiring and sputtering along, right? So in today's episode, we're going to break down how to eat during training. How many carbs do you need? How much protein? Is fat really the enemy? All these answers and more coming right up in today's episode. Hello, friends. Sarah here. I am going to start with an apology. I think it's really interesting. I was looking back at the topics we've covered on this podcast, and we really haven't done anything about nutrition, food, fuel at all yet. And I feel like that's remiss of me because this is such an important part of training. It's just as important as doing your workouts. It's just as important as doing your training hikes. You really have to fuel yourself properly and eat right. And this is going to be more and more true as training gets more intense. So today I want to talk to you about your diet during training. And the frame I'm going to put around this is we're going to talk about macros. So how much carbohydrate, protein, and fat to eat. There's certainly more to nutrition than that. In future episodes, we'll talk a little bit about how to fuel during a big hike or climb. That's a separate topic. You're going to change things up for that. But just for today, let's focus on the day-to-day nutrition that's going to fuel months and months of possibly quite intense training. So before we dive in, a couple of disclaimers I really need to give you. First of all, you know me. I'm a personal trainer. I'm a running coach. I am not a dietitian. So Anything you hear on this program is obviously informational. Don't take medical advice from a podcast, please. And the limits of what I can talk about, I can can talk about general nutrition information, what the science says, what coaching organizations recommend. I can't prescribe individual diet plans. I can't tell you how to use diet to treat medical conditions. These are all things that you really need to go to a registered dietitian for. Even though there are plenty of people on the internet that aren't qualified, that don't know what they're doing, that will be happy to take your money and make a diet plan for you. I really don't recommend you do that. Stick with a professional. I should also share upfront that the advice I'm going to share is based on the assumption that the best diet for an endurance athlete is a diet that's somewhat high in carbohydrate. This is what's supported by the science when they they compare endurance athletes that are eating high carb versus a low carb diet like keto. Generally, performance is better with a high carb diet. So that's what I'm going to limit myself to in this episode. That's not to say that there aren't athletes out there that are doing really well on a low carb diet. Maybe you're one of them. 
And I'm certainly not telling you to switch if it's something that's working for you. Just know that in this podcast, it's not something we're going to cover because it's really outside my expertise. Another thing I'm, I'm not going to cover, but that may to apply to you. Maybe you have a dietary restriction due to a food allergy, something like celiac disease, or maybe you follow a diet that's somewhat restricted, like vegan, paleo, keto, gluten-free. I'm not going to cover the specifics of these diets in any of my podcast episodes. Again, it's outside my expertise. One thing to think about, if you're going to be taking on very intense training for a big mountaineering trip, you're going to be hiking and working hard many hours a week, it might be a good idea to check in with a sports dietitian, someone who's familiar with endurance training, and someone who's also familiar with your particular diet, just to get some specialized advice. Because I can tell you from experience, even eating a regular diet, it becomes difficult to find enough options to fuel yourself whenever the demands for fuel are getting really, really high. And it's much harder if there are certain kinds of foods that you can't eat. So definitely recommend if you fall into any of those categories, especially if you're going to be doing quite intense training, that you do at least an initial consult with a dietitian and maybe even ongoing checking in with them. And finally, if you have any kind of medical conditions that require you to eat a certain diet, um, probably the most common one for folks out there is diabetes. Again, it's really a great idea to check in with a dietitian just to make sure that you're fueling yourself properly. You know what you need to do. You know all the do's and don'ts for your particular condition and for you as an individual. That's a, a strong recommendation for me if you're hiking with any sort of chronic condition. All right, so before we dive into the three macros, let's talk a little bit about what macros are. I think endurance athletes talk about their macros a lot, weightlifters also. If you've been hanging around either of those communities, people are talking about their macros, what's yours, here's mine. If you're like, what the French toast is that? What they're talking about are macronutrients. So the three, there are three macronutrients, carbohydrates, protein, and fat. So basically, what macronutrients are, they are just types of molecules that play a different role in our body. For example, we all have fat under our skin that's protecting our organs, keeping us warm, and then they can also be used for fuel. Carbohydrates are mainly used for fuel, and then they can be used for structural building blocks. So protein, for example, makes up most of the matter that we are, our muscles, our skin, our hair. Whenever athletes talk about their macros, often the way they're conceptualizing it is they're thinking of it in percentage. So for example, an everyday person who's not an athlete is often advised to eat 40% of their calories from carbohydrates and then 30 each from protein and fat. So it's a 40-30-30 breakdown, right? And one that's common for athletes, we assume athletes need more carbohydrates because that's our main fuel source. So athletes are often prescribed a 60-20-20 split. 60% of their calories from carbohydrates, 20% each from fat and protein. And if that's how you've been thinking about your macronutrients, I just want you to consider a pivot. And here's why the percentage model doesn't really work. The amount of macronutrients you need is going to change day by day. And here's an example. If you go out for, let's say, a five-hour hike where you're walking uphill, walking vigorously, you actually need, on that day, twice as many grams of carbohydrate to fuel yourself 
than if you had gone out for a one-hour hike. Isn't that crazy? The difference between five hours and one hours, there's a huge difference in your dietary needs. And this is somewhat true also for protein and for fat. So instead of thinking of your macros as percentages, I want you to do something different. I want you to think of your macros in absolute values. So instead of calculating percentages, which is honestly kind of a pain in the ass anyway, you're going to think of your needs in terms of grams or calories. And I'll teach you how to calculate both of those in just a second. Now, you may be thinking to yourself already that this is gonna take a lot of math. And you're right, tracking your macros and tracking your nutrition can be a giant pain in the ass. So what I generally recommend, especially when you're new, you're kind of getting the hang of it, is to use a diet tracker. You can use something like MyFitnessPal, that's a very adequate one that is free to track your food intake for a couple days, a week, and then once you're kind of getting into a routine, see what's working and what's not working, you can back off dependence from that fitness tracker if it's something that you don't want to use all the time. Honestly, I'm not a big fan of using them all the time. I think people tend to go a little crazy and get obsessed with them and get into the weeds to the point where it's not really useful. I would recommend just using it while you're getting the hang of it, and then you can give yourself a checkup every once in a while. So let's talk about these macros, the macronutrients. And the first one I'm going to start with is the one that endurance athletes are usually the most concerned with, and that's carbohydrates. So what's carbohydrate? It's basically three types of molecules, sugars, starches, and fiber. The body uses it primarily as an energy source. And then in the case of fiber to aid digestion, you don't really digest fiber, you just eat it, use it in your intestines and excrete it. Sugars and starches are not super energy dense. For every gram of carbohydrate that you eat, you're consuming four calories. And the way carbohydrates are used in your body, they're really not used for very many structural things. They're more used for energy. Your body doesn't necessarily store them long-term the way it stores fat. It can store them short-term in the form of a substance called glycogen. And glycogen is stored in your muscles and then also a little bit in your liver. And whenever you go out for a big hike and your legs are working hard trying to climb up the mountain, your leg muscles are burning some fat, but they're also burning the glycogen that's in those muscles. So how much carbohydrate do you need to keep your glycogen stores nice and healthy to replace them after you use them? On training days, here's the guideline. You're going to consume 5 to 10 grams of carbohydrate per kilo of your body weight. And if you're American, you're probably more used to thinking of your weight in pounds. So in order to get to kilos, divide your weight in pounds by 2.2, and that is kilos. If you think about 5 to 10 grams per kilo, that's a huge range, right? So how much carbohydrate do you need? Here are some guidelines. Let's start with a shorter hike. So let's say after work, you go for a quick one hour hike. Any day when you're doing one hour of cardio training, you need five grams of carbohydrate per, per kilogram of body weight. That's what you need to eat on that day. Now let's say on the other end of the spectrum, it's the weekend, it's Saturday, you're going out for your long hike, you're taking a six hour hike and you're moving pretty vigorously for six hours. On that day, you need to eat 
10 grams of carbs per kilo of body weight, which if you think about it is a lot <laughs> of carbs, but that's the recommendation. A lot of people have a hard time eating that much, but I really want you to do the best you can. Keeping in mind that you're gonna be probably burning several thousand extra calories on that six hour hike. So what I'll do, go ahead and hop in the show notes and I'll link to a table that will show you for one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, five plus hours, how many grams of carbohydrate you should be eating per day. Now, a lot of times carbohydrate gets a bad rap. People are like, oh, that's the sugar that makes you fat. It makes you inflamed. And to some degree, they're correct. But the same could be said for all the other macronutrients as well. All macronutrients come in containers, they come in foods, and there are good containers and bad containers. If you're getting most of your carbs by eating candy <laughs> during the week, it's not very healthy, right? There's, there's all kinds of processed sugars, chemicals, saturated fats, and because candy is a very simple sugar, it's a small molecule, it also tends to spike your blood sugar. So candy is an example of a poor container for carbohydrates. I do think there's a time and a place in endurance training to eat some candy. We'll talk about that more whenever we talk about fueling for your actual hike. But yeah, in general, whenever you're trying to eat maybe hundreds of grams of carbs a day, you don't want that to be candy, right? So some healthy sources of carbohydrates to think about. Any kind of whole grain is generally pretty healthy. It digests slower. It doesn't spike your blood sugar. It has some nutrients in it that are good for you. Other examples of healthy containers for carbohydrates might be beans and legumes, fruits, and starchy vegetables like sweet potatoes. So really think about the containers that your macronutrients are coming in. And, and think of it this way. You, you, have, you can only eat so many calories a day. And within those calories, you have to get a whole bunch of micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, all the good stuff that helps your body function properly. So you have to make sure that the containers are healthy ones for all your macros. All right, so let's talk a little bit about protein. Protein, you can think of as the building blocks of your body. So it's making up your hair, your skin, and most importantly for us endurance athletes, it's making up our muscles. So anytime we need to build muscle, anytime we need to repair muscle because we've had a hard workout and kind of torn our muscles up, we need extra protein. We don't use protein primarily for fuel, although we can, and the energy density of protein is four calories per gram. We have a pretty good idea how much carbs an athlete should eat. We're less certain about how much protein one should eat. So a couple of common sense benchmarks to be aware of. For a long time, athletes were told to eat one gram of protein per kilogram of body weight per day. If you're there already, that's great. 1.5 grams per day is probably a bit more ideal. There are some studies that suggest even more is beneficial, up to three grams per day, although that's kind of hard to eat and then also get in all your carbs. So I generally shoot for between one to 1.5 grams per kilogram per day, and that seems to work pretty well. Well, some exceptions to that might be if you're doing a heavy lifting phase where you're really building a lot of muscle, you might have some extra protein. After a hard workout or a, a big climb or hike, you're going to need some extra protein to help rebuild your muscles and heal and restore them. With protein, 
just as with all the other macros, it's really important to consider the container. And in the case of protein, because protein often comes from meats, I also like to consider the impact on the environment. When possible, I like to eat meat that's farm-raised, that's grass-fed, that's raised in more sustainable ways. Any kind of meat that's coming from like a big industrial corporate kind of operation, I tend to stay away from. And in general, red meats tends to be harder on the environment because I always thought this was crazy. The cows produce so much methane through their burps and their farts and methane is a greenhouse gas so if we care about the environment we really want to have fewer cows fewer bovines on the planet so definitely something to think about Another thing to think about when you're thinking about meat sources is the amount of saturated fat. In general, red meats and dark meat poultry have, a, have more saturated fat than white meats. The jury is kind of out on how much saturated fat is safe, what forms are safe. There's some research that suggests maybe like plant-based forms like coconut oil is safer than, say, saturated fat from a steak. But rather than get into all of that, kind of the bottom line for me that I follow, which is is backed up by research is that I try to ingest fewer than 10% of my daily calories from saturated fat. So that works out to about 20, 21, 22 grams of saturated fat. It's actually pretty easy to stay under that number and still get plenty of protein. Another thing to consider, just I'll, I'll throw this out there, even though I'm not going to get deep into vegetarian and vegan diets, is if you are plant-based, if you're someone that doesn't eat a lot of meat, you do have to be a little bit careful about getting complete proteins. Protein is made up of, of building blocks called amino acids, and there are actually six amino acids that our body can't produce on its own. We have to get it from our food. And the only plant-based protein that has all six of those essential amino acids that we don't make is soy. And there are a couple of things that are pretty close, like quinoa. But in general, if you're vegetarian, vegan, or plant-based, it's a good idea to learn about food combinations that make a complete protein. So example, if you eat a whole grain like wheat, say a whole grain cracker, and you put some nuts on it or some nut butter, like peanut butter, between the two of them, they could create a complete protein. They have all six of those proteins that you can't make yourself. And same thing for beans and rice. And there are several others that vegans and vegetarians use. And if if you're a vegetarian, you're probably already aware of that. But if not, definitely look that up. I will drop a resource for food combinations in the show notes. And last, let's talk a little bit about fat. <laughs> and I'm not sure it's the same for young people these days. I know when I was growing up in the 90s, people were like terrified of fat. Fat was the enemy. And <laughs> people would eat these horrible refined carbohydrate snacks full of sugar and call them healthy because they were fat-free. And they were actually labeled as that on the packaging. They were healthy, fat-free snacks. And actually, they were disgusting. They were really bad for you. It probably contributed to the obesity epidemic that we have now. But the research that we have on fat, and I think the, the, the public health thinking on fat has shifted a lot in the last two decades, we now know that fat is really important for your health and your heart health. So what are the things that fat does in our body? It makes up a lot of structures. It also provides warmth. It provides cushioning to our organs. It makes up the cell walls of our cells. We can't live without fat. 
And it's also kind of our emergency storage. And it's very rare in a developed country today that we would run into a famine, say, or a long winter where we couldn't gather enough food and our supplies were running out. But understand that your body doesn't necessarily know that. It's evolved to have a certain level of backup storage. So whenever you're losing weight quickly or not taking in enough fuel, it can actually send your body into a panic where it's actually going to try to store extra fat. And that's why it's so important as endurance athletes that we're fueling adequately. We're not under fueling because it can be pretty traumatic to our systems if we let our weight drop too fast or if we're not eating enough to fuel ourselves, including enough fat. Uh, There's certain kinds of fats that are really important to your heart health. People who don't eat them are actually more likely to get heart disease. So the broad categories of those are monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats. And then there's a subclass of polyunsaturated, that's the omega fatty acids. And eating lots of those omegas is correlated with less heart disease. So we absolutely need to be eating fat. We shouldn't be afraid of it. It's not the enemy. And all that being said, the downside of fat is that it's extremely energy dense. Per gram of fat, there are nine calories. So if you think about it, that's more than twice as much as carbs or protein. So one of your big challenges as an endurance athlete is to eat enough healthy fat without eating too many calories. Unlike carbs and protein, I'm not going to give you a guideline for fat. There's really not necessarily a minimum amount that you need to eat each day. In Western diets, it's pretty rare for someone to have a a fat deficiency. Really, what's most important to focus on is just eating fat from healthy containers. So healthy fat sources, some examples include olive oil, canola oil, nuts, seeds, and their oils. So for example, you could eat flaxseed, and then there's flax seed oil you could use for cooking. Fatty fish are an excellent source of omega-3s, avocados, and whole eggs. All of these are really good containers for fats. And how do you find the right balance of fat, carbs, and protein? Once again, I think one of the easiest ways to do it is to use a diet tracker, at least temporarily. Get your diet dialed in, where you're eating enough grams of carbs for the type of workout you're doing, enough grams of protein each day, and then you're still getting plenty of heart-healthy fats. What'll generally happen is you'll find a place where you're performing well, your weight is stabilized, or if you want to lose a little bit of weight every week, you're losing no more than a pound a week. And once you've kind of hit that equilibrium and made it a routine, you can stop using the tracker and then just use it for spot checks or to test something new every once in a while. So there you have it, friends. Macros. (laughs) Next time you hear all the athletes talking about macros, you can think back on this episode and you'll probably realize that even though macros are like a big subject and everyone's worried about them, a lot of people don't really even understand how to do them right or what they mean, but you will now. So I hope this was helpful for you. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next week. Take care. Hey friend, if you're enjoying the pod, there are two simple and free ways you can show your support. First of all, please share this with a friend who might find it helpful. And second, please leave a review on iTunes. Your support means the world to me. Thanks so much for tuning in.